podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Pod four sixty, I believe, um, and we're back after a couple of weeks off. Uh, thanks to Palace being terrible in the FA Cup to review Palace losing two one at Manchester United. I don't know why I went which keys there. Um, this weekend, joining me uh, is Grace Matheson. Grace, how are you? Hello, JD. Yes, good. Thank you. Yeah, all good. Good, good, great to have you on. And also, Serie A expert, Jack Pierce <laughs> is here, fresh Buongiorno. reading pink newspapers and eating ice creams in <laughs> the Turin no, Piazza. Where did, you, where did you go? Milan, no, sorry. I, I went to Milan. Uh, no, no gelato. Gelato. Uh, no, no gelato. Gelato. No gelato. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's gelato. Yeah. Um, no, I had a great time. San Siro was amazing to be in and be at, and uh, saw AC Milan uh, suffer one of their worst home defeats in a very long time. So I'm not in a particularly good run of form in terms of home support at the moment. So that's good. I'm just spreading, spreading love across the continent. Annoyingly, I did note one player who I thought would be ideal for Palace, Davide Fratese, who central midfielder, does everything kind of an Italian Conor Gallagher, if you want. Let's get the Conor reference in early. But I came home, did some research on him, see, you know, what type of transfer fee might be possible, see if he's even a potential realistic sign of Palace. And it's already kind of in the bag for Brighton if they want him because Deserby managed him at Sassuolo. So, oh, yeah. No. I know. But, no, I had a great time. And, uh, yeah, any chance to go and watch football on the continent is always fun. So I had a lovely time. Thanks, JD. What, what, would, what would Conor Gallagher's Italian name be? Conor, Conor or... Galagiero. Oh, I, I kind of want to say Gennaro. I don't know. Gennaro, yeah. yeah. He, well, he still wouldn't join Palace, so it doesn't really matter. Does no, it? true. Sorry. Anyway, for more banging content like this, uh, let's crack on with this week's episode. I mean, uh, before we get anywhere, let's do a shout-out or do a drum roll for a shout-out to a random patient. One, two, three. It's Mr. Gary in Suffolk. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Hope Suffolk. Hi, well. Gary. Hi, Gary. Uh, you can join our Patreon like Gary and get all the rewards, including post-match podcasts, extra content in the main pod, patron-only merchandise, and access to the Discord club at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. 
But I can do a quick shout out for my solo show. This is the last shout out of the show. It's literally this Thursday. You said that so, on the Patreon, uh, mate. You said that on the Patreon. Like, <laughs> I, just false promises, just last. <laughs> I'll do another shout out next week, just as, as a little <laughs> review. But we will do a review episode on how the uh, how the show went. This is the last time I'm ever doing my Edinburgh show. Jim Daly Football of Father, Depending so, on how Brighton, on. depending on how Brighton does go, Jim, it might be the better topic to talk about next week. So fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Yes, may well be. Um, anyway, tickets are £8. Uh, it's this Thursday, 6.30pm at the Bill Murray Pub, which is a great comedy venue. Um, and they're available from angelcomedy.co.uk. Loads of Palace content in the show. So it'd be great if you thought about coming to see me live. This Thursday is the time. Uh, it would be great to see you there. Also, we are sponsored this week by Harry's. Uh, we've all got our match day routines, haven't we? I mean, whether you're pub then game, pub after game. What, Grace, what's your match day routine? Well, I go with my family and because we travel for a bit, we're not really, we don't really do the pub, but there's usually a, a trip to McDonald's or somewhere on route, get to the game, then usually a stop at McDonald's or KFC on the way home from the game as well. So it's a, wow. it's a calorific day out. Double McDonald's on a match day. That's impressive. Jack, are you sort of pub after game, pub before game, straight to your seat pub, program pub before, kind of guy? Pub before no, pub before, pub after, sometimes pub during, depending on how we're doing. But yeah, pub. <laughs> I like it. Good. Pub and McDonald's. We, wow, what a pod we are. But anyway, look, re- routines are important when it comes to skincare as well. And Harry's are here to improve yours with a free trial set and eye brightening cream just for FYP listeners. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash FYP and buy the 3 for the postage. Uh, much like Patrick Vieira breathed new life into Palace, the eye brightening cream breathed new life into tired looking under eyes for the first time you use it. Uh, their cooling formula hydrates and instantly brightens, while seaweed and algae extracts help dark circles fade. Very good for new parents, I can attest to. Uh, the trial set from Harry's has everything you need for a great shave, an expertly engineered weighted handle, five-blade cartridge. It's made in Germany, no less. Um, a handy foaming shave gel for extra, very effective lubrication, or extra. Um, a travel blade cover and a free frightening eye cream, of course. Um, Harry's skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, so you never have to worry about running out. Cleansing and exfoliating before you shave increases the chances of cleaner results. And the products are formatted with 0% sulfate, parabens, or dyes, and also alcohol Free, so no nasties here. Unlike Palace's defending in recent weeks, um, I can I can actually say I've been using Harry's myself for almost two years now, and um, I really really like their razors, and that is doesn't happen very often with our sponsors, but I genuinely I've had my own shave plan for eighteen months, and they've been sending me free boxes. I've got enough razors to last me until I'm retired, so I'm very happy with that indeed. But they are genuinely, as someone with a very sort of sandpapery phase. They are really, really excellent razors. So anyway, if you go to harrys.com slash FYP, you can get your free trial set and the eye brightening cream. All you've got to do is cover the $3.95 for delivery. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Speaking of another close shave, Jack, kind of. It was Palace's defeat, 2-1 defeat at Man United um, at the weekend. Um, I'm going to go straight in with a question from Joe. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. Who simply says... Was it really as bad as people think? Um, the first half wasn't particularly good. First half was pretty shoddy, to be honest. Gave away a really soft penalty, and then I didn't really think we competed especially well. They didn't create a lot, but it wouldn't even nor did we. And really, we only got going once they went down to ten men. I'm sure we'll talk about the red card at some point, but 
Um, yeah, once once they gone down to ten men and and we quickly scored after that, we were we were very much at it, and maybe another five ten minutes we would have got a point. But yeah, up until the red card, I thought we were pretty poor, um, albeit acknowledging that we were playing against Manchester United, who were very informed away from home. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great performance up until about seventy minutes. So it was it was pretty poor, probably not as poor as some on social media and, and certain message boards are, are indicating, but. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't particularly good, no. Grace, it was a little bit of... Um, if you'd never watched Palace before under Vieira, I think this game might have given you an indication of all the little bits that we see under Vieira in that bad start and not particularly great. Then suddenly that patch in the second half where we really looked like we could make something happen, scored a goal. Um, we had good defending, we had bad defending, we had good attacks, we had bad attacks. This game sort of had a little bit of everything from Vieira ball to Palace. It did, and it's so frustrating that we struggle to get all the good components of Fiera Ball in one game at any one time. Um, and silly little lapses in concentration, like Jack said, the soft penalty. Um, and then, obviously, Rashford's goal in the second half was fairly near the start of the second half, and it seems to be either sort of a, right at the beginning or quite near the end where we just we just lose that concentration and it, it's costing us um and I know Vieira said recently that he's sort of fed up of saying oh well we played played well and didn't get what we reserved uh, we deserved sorry and it it seems to be sort of same old story every week albeit that like Jack said the performance this week wasn't wasn't really there um so yeah it's it's frustrating yeah when a manager is saying that Jack over and over again Surely at some point the onus falls on the manager then. I mean, I understand, like, you can prepare the players for you in the week and you're there on the touchline. You can only do so much because the players go out there and if they underperform, they underperform and you may have felt you've prepared them. But if it's the same thing happening week in, week out, then surely at some point the onus to change something does fall on the manager? Uh, yes, and I guess proximity to the relegation zone will be uh, probably what dictates the, the level of feeling across the fan base in regards to that. But he's got options now. He's got more options in midfield, probably players that are more akin to the, the type of player and the type of midfielders that he wants. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he uses Lekonga and, and Ahamada in the coming weeks, um, particularly Lekonga. I think everyone's of the opinion that Ahamada is uh, maybe to be blooded between now and the end of the season and looked at more permanently next season but Lakonga's only here for a short term so you know looking to get maximum output from from him but yeah there there, there will be questions asked of of every of any manager if, if results um don't come and whatever he says in in post-match press conferences pre-match press conferences um will really start to dilute in really the the it's worth because um yeah that proximity to relegation zone should that bottom three get closer to Palace in the coming weeks then then it's really performances and, and points that will count for for everything, and, and what Vieira says pre or post match won't really uh, won't really count for anything. We have had a lot of questions this week about the relegation zone. The most we've had probably in the last couple of years. So we'll get on to those in part two. I just thought of a chant actually for Lakonga while you were talking there. Would you, would you like to hear it? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I think it was uh, black lace, but. Da, da, da. We've got Sam Lukonga. Da, da, da. I mean, I, I, I think the Palace TikTok admin's beating you to it, mate. <laughs> I should start following them. Shouldn't Sorry. I? 
Sorry, Pat. So, I don't think you're the first one. they follow me. There's a shout out. There's a shout out there. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let's hope he does enough in the next couple of weeks to get a chant. Um, didn't yeah, take quite, quite too long to quite. get a chant as a loan signing. So, yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, coming on to some of the points in the game, Grace, uh, you've both I pretty much answered this question already, but the penalty for the Will Hughes handball. Um, no complaints here, really, are there? No, it's just one of those where you can, as, as a human, you can see why that's your reaction. But as a football player that does it regularly, you're sort of like, oh, why have you done that? Why have you given them the golden opportunity to score not even 10 minutes into the game? It's just, especially after um, Hughes obviously hasn't been getting as many minutes as maybe some people in the fan base would have wanted. Um, and I, th- I, I I like him and I think he's done well when he's coming, but it's, it's things like that. You, Things that are so avoidable, um, it's just frustrating. But yeah, no, no complaints to be had. I mean, that's going to be given anywhere, let alone at Old Trafford. So, well, quite. I, I love the idea as well that like footballers are expected to do body movements that are literally not human. I mean, it, we are getting to a weird place now, aren't we? Where like, I, I know the rule is arm in an unnatural position or whatever, but they almost can't do anything in the box at the moment, can they? It's definitely no. going to be. Sorry, Grace. Cool. No, you go. You go. I was just going to say it's it's a definite penalty, but in the era of VAR, it's an even more definite penalty because somehow Mariner missed it. Um, I, I don't quite know how he missed that, but the VAR probably won't have an easier referral this season. And once Mariner saw it, um, it's probably one of the quickest VAR turnarounds you'll see this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there are question marks about uh, body position, but. I mean, in my watching of football, that's always been a penalty when your hand is outstretched above your head. That's always going to be given. So there can't even be any claim of you know misinterpretation of law or previous law. That's just an absolute stonewall penalty. Um, and it's so early on in the game, you know, all the all the talk of Vieira and the coaching staff, not Sean Derry, um, but all the coaching staff will have done <laughs> oh, last no. week, um, kind of out the window within 10 minutes. And it's disappointing. Um, but no, absolutely no complaints. I, I don't think you'll find a Palace fan who's got any complaints about that penalty being awarded. Poor Sean. I mean, we won't, I don't think we'll broach it here, but, you know, thank you to Sean for everything. Friend of the pod as well. So, but um, yeah, shame to see him go. Um, I did tweet actually something about United getting dodgy penalties, mainly because I just wanted to do some sort of joke. And I, all the replies from the FYP feed were like, that's the penalty. Yeah. So even even then, like no Palace fans were um, contesting it. Do you think Palace get their penalty, Grace, at Old Trafford? You'd like to, one, one as obvious as that, I would like to think so, but with the standard of refereeing in this league and the decision they got um, against City a few weeks ago. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, who who knows? I'm never, I'm never that confident. Um, should we come on to the other decision then, Jack, which which which, which actually did turn the game in Palace's favour in terms of the uh, the way the game flowed, which was the Casemiro red card, which was also missed by the officials, but then was yeah. awarded on VAR for what did look like a fairly sort of stonewall chokehold WWE style move um, by Casemiro on a fairly unmoved Will Hughes, who seemed to just take it like an absolute champ and then just get on with his day and then start winding up the, the Man United fans. I think doing some reference to Liverpool's title wins or something with his hands. Liverpool fans. I don't know. I've been various theories. Oh, I, um, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes no, sense. I didn't either. But that's been the theories on Twitter. That he was holding up 
six or so, I don't know. Um, I went on slight, a few sort of Twitter rants via FYP on United fans trying to claim it wasn't a red card. And the angle that the referee was given makes it look like such a clear red card mm-hmm. offence. I have since, since seen other angles where he actually looks like he's sort of pulling him by the lapels or pulling him by the shirt a little bit more. But I guess... <laughs> the lapels? <laughs> that, that well-known part of the football shirt. Uh, yes, the football jersey, yes. The, the lapel. One day a club well, is going to make a shirt that's got lapels on it and uh, yeah, we're all going to buy it. Fourth, fourth, shirt, fourth shirt anniversary style or something. Um, Every Napoli, someone like that. But anyway, my point yeah. is, Jack, that, like, that, that you, wrote, you put your hands that close to an opponent's neck, you are giving the referee, yeah. whether it's slowed down or not, or a still on bar, you're giving them a really big decision. Yeah, I think the argument of like other angles came to light. Um, I mean, that people already complain how long it takes for a VAR decision to be made. So if you're then advocating the use of angles that are uncovered two to three days later... I don't think anyone in Old Trafford would have wanted to wait that long for a decision to be made. So on the evidence provided to the the assistant or the video assistant, it, the red card had to be issued. You know, once you see that image, um, and it was fleeting, it was only a second if that. But once he's got both his hands around an opposition player's neck, like it's just not, not a red card. It just has to be a red card um, once that image has been shown. And I do think Casemiro... Um, it's clearly the darling of the British media at the moment and has clearly reinvigorated Manchester United, who obviously have a lot of fans in the media and therefore has been given probably more... Uh, there's been more light on that red card than there would have been if it had been, I don't know, during a championship match or uh, or SPL game with, with VAR or, or a you know, mid-table game in the Premier League. The fact is Casemiro means it's been analysed to death, but it's it's an absolute stonewall red card. Um once the video referees identified that image. And then once you start talking about other decisions within that melee, and it was a melee as kind of Premier League standards go, you don't often see that many players involved. There probably were other elements of that melee that could have been considered as a red card. I think Jordan Ayew's put a hand in Fred's face. Don't If we'd seen that issued as a red card, I don't think we'd have had many complaints provided Casemiro had also had his marching orders. But um, yeah, United fans... Uh, protesting that red card are, um, are, yeah, not not right because it's a definite red card. So, yeah, VAR used uh, appropriately in that instance. Um, and maybe we did get away with a little uh, a misdemeanour from, from Jordan amongst others. But the whole situation is caused by, you know, Anthony, who on, I was listening to on the radio in the second half, and it sounded as though he'd been absolutely poleaxed by Jeffrey Schlupp. And he hadn't. He'd been body-checked, and, and he was the one who threw himself down that slight hill there is at Old Trafford. And he was the one that then got up four seconds later once he realised that he wasn't... halfway yes. across the pitch. Yes, up. Yeah, exactly. And he's, yeah. you know, it is ridiculous. He he had a bit of a tiff with with Tyreek in the, the reverse fixture last month as well. So he's clearly a player who thinks he's owed everything that he thinks he's owed. And, and he calls that. So, you know, Casemiro will now miss three games. And if there's anyone he can thank for that, it's probably his Brazilian teammate. Well, I mean, Casemiro really should have been sent off in both games. Yeah. The yellow he got in the cellars really was a red card. Exactly. Fence, which got missed. Um, Jack has messaged in uh, okay. saying, isn't it ironic seeing United fans crying about the ref yesterday when they've had dodgy decisions go their way over the years? And then he put that photo of Clattenburg and Ferguson from the 2016 FA Cup final. Don't make us think about that again, Jack. Come on, mate. Uh, it's, uh, uh, that hurts. 
That hurts that one. But I get to be honest, I mean, these decisions are made on a game by game basis and actually, you know, but but United fans have really have had a lot, especially Old Trafford in the uh, in the nineties. And there were so many elements, Grace, to that, as as Jack says, like Anthony fueling it, uh, then getting up and 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 sort of chest bumping into Schlapp, who then got surrounded by basically the whole United team. And that's when the Palace players came in basically to sort of defend their teammate. It was a very weird and and, and I think Jack's right about I are you in the, the hand on Fred, I think probably if that had gone against us, wouldn't have that many um, arguments. But it wasn't that kind of game. The, this thing flaring up, was, it hadn't had any of that needle at all. So it was a very weird, unnecessary red card for Casemiro, really. And there's a great yeah. bit where he's the rest walking over and he's going, me, what me? <laughs> You've literally had your hands around an opponent's neck, mate. It probably is you. But it was a weird, it was a whole weird incident. But it did play in Palace's favour. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, a completely, pretty much avoidable melee where in another parallel universe Anthony sits on the floor moaning for a bit gets up gets on with it and and everyone and just moves on rather than the surrounding of of the referee which I mean we all know United do a lot of and just it's just so frustrating and there's no need for them all to get involved and had Casemiro not wanted to stick his oar in he would have continued the rest of the game but Luckily for us, he didn't. I think the tide did turn slightly in our in our favour after that game. Had he been sent off 10 minutes earlier, I think we maybe would have got the equaliser. Um, who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's yeah, just one of those. It, it, it certainly put a spring in Jeffrey Schlupp's step, though, because, yeah. uh, you know, from then on, he was arguably the best player on the pitch until he got subbed and you know this this podcast has been full of criticism yeah. of of Jeff for the past few months so it's only fair that we we praise him for what was a uh, a good point even in the first half he he put himself about as as you'd hope he would do and in the second half when there was a bit more room in that midfield he he came alive and and his finish for the goal was was exceptional but Casemiro up to Saturday had not been sent off since he started playing in Europe 10 years ago and in the last month Palace wow. had cost him four games of suspension wow. so yeah, the only concern. I believe that's called. I believe that's called living in his head rent free. <laughs> that's what the youngsters call it. Grace, Grace can confirm. Um, <laughs> but but um, it's annoying because obviously we we didn't benefit from his absence. But two of his three game ban in the in the next uh, few weeks or so are against Leeds, who are probably a team that we want to keep below us if if we're being brutally honest. So we we may have actually done a, an opponent um, a bit of a favour there because. United are a different team without him. He is a very, very good player for them. But um, yeah, anyone that's complaining about that red card doesn't really know football. Ah, well said. Completely agree. I think a good part to end part one on. I suspect Jeffrey Schlupp might creep into winners and losers later on, but we'll see. That's in part three because after the break, we're going to go into questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that will have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. It's part two where we answer questions from our listeners. Um, surprisingly, they're quite downbeat this week. But anyway, we'll see if we can inject some positivity into it. Um, the first, well, set of questions um, are all around the similar subject, which is the dreaded R word, unfortunately, from Robin Mickleberg, Mark Drew, Mike Phillips, Stuart Cox, and Paul Appling have all faced. Hello, guys. Sorry, I don't need all together there to say a bit. Just if you could all just get together next time and just send one question, that would be that'd be great. Just get a joint email or something, and then that would be uh, or a joint Twitter account that would make things. Um, the feeling strong, yeah. though, isn't it? I mean, it says a lot that so many fans are starting to ask at the same time. So, yeah, well, this seems to be. Let me let me just. I mean, they're all asking the same thing. Mike Phillips, we're all panicking a bit, aren't we? Mark Drew, six points of relegation. Here we go again. Robin Mickelberg has said that this weekend results, uh, anyone who's not thinking about relegation battle is off their rocker. Um, <laughs> this, this does seem to have been the game, certainly if you look on social media, Jack, that seems to have tipped a lot of Palace fans in that maybe weren't before into that realm of being genuinely worried about relegation now. Yeah, I don't know if it's the game or maybe it's the weekend, the fact that both Forrest and Leicester had good wins, Wolves had a good win, West Ham drew, Leeds have changed their manager, Everton won. The only two teams in kind of the bottom uh, bottom eight, by I can see, other than us, the drop points were Southampton and Bournemouth, who are the bottom two. So I think it's not so much the specific performance at Old Trafford. Um, you know, the expectation of going to Old Trafford and getting points is is fairly low, I would say, particularly with how well United are playing this season. Mm. But um, I think it's the weekend, particularly the Forest result on Sunday. I noticed the kind of feeling about Palace's risk of relegation amped up a bit around half past three, four o'clock on Sunday once Forrest has held on to their win. So I, I think it's probably the weekend rather than a particular game. The fact the transfer window's now shut means that we've got what we've got to play with Wilfs out for a longer period than we hoped he would be when he got subbed off against Newcastle. So I think it's a number of factors rather than just the performance. But yeah, the, the threat of relegation is there and has been an increasing prospect since we've come back after the World Cup. You know, to start post-World Cup with that atrocious performance against Fulham okay we then went to a poor Bournemouth team and and picked up points there but you know we haven't really 
looked like scoring goals, which is a bit of a change. Before the World Cup, we did look like we were posing threats in in most games. Um, but there are a number of factors which are likely to increase um, the, the fear amongst fans, and I think it's probably a fair one. Um, do I think we will get relegated? No, but am I worried about relegation? Yes, I think they're probably two separate things. I do think Bournemouth and Southampton are very likely to go down. I think they're quite poor. Um, I know they both spent money in January, so you never know how well those players will settle. So I think you're probably looking at um, one space left with maybe five or six clubs worried about occupying that that space come the last day of the season. But I think we will have enough to get out of it. We've certainly got enough quality in the squad. It's about how that <clears throat> how the squad gels and how it performs. I think defensively, Defensively, I'm not particularly concerned, but our lack of threat up the top of the pitch is is becoming more of a concern week in, week out. I'm glad the likes of you know Malcolm Abue and and Kamani Gordon have both got loan spells, but then when Wilf goes out for six weeks, um, Mateta doesn't look like doing anything. Edouard doesn't really fill me with much confidence at the moment. Um, I'm all for those youngsters going out on the, on on loan. I'm not saying they're Premier League ready, but it just does limit the options that, that Patrick Vieira has to call upon. We will come on to strikers in a bit because we've had even more questions about striking options, which we'll come on to. Grace, let me just finish Robin's question, then I'll ask you how you feel about that dreaded R word. Robin says, the only team who looks a bit doomed is Southampton, but they have a few new faces too. I can feel the piece of paper burning in Kevin's pocket as I write this. I haven't spoken to Kevin, so I don't know how the piece of paper is going, but I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's there. Um, are you worried about relegation? I, I think like Jack, how Jack answered it was quite a good way in that, am I worried and do I think we'll actually go down? I, I agree with Jack on that front. I think it's always sort of in the back of your mind a little bit when you're the type of club that we are that somehow mm. always seem to find ourselves sucked into positions we don't necessarily want to be in and that we're, no matter how almost used to it we get it never gets any easier to start to see your club's name dropping down the table um as the games go on that said as long as we're not in that bottom three on the final game of the season as as far as I'm concerned this season hasn't maybe turned out the way we thought it would at the start of the season um and obviously we've been in the prem for 10 years now so should be looking for more than just scraping by but that said, as lo- yeah, as long as we're in the league at the end of the season, and then we start again in the summer, uh, the slate's wiped clean almost, and, and we go again. Um, but yeah, I think it is the sort of changes that are going around with other managers at the minute that has sort of amped up people's worries and concerns and the fact that um, even though we're not always playing particularly badly, we're not getting the points and that's not been helped by we have had a tricky run of fixtures um but like jack said the like the results against fulham the amount of goals we conceded against spurs all of those sort of things come into play and you think oh, what if we'd done this or we'd it's like the the game just before the world cup the forest game if wilf scores that penalty it's a different mm-hmm. game we yeah. might we finish that game with 3 points instead of none and for the fact that we're only six points off the bottom. I had a look at the table before and Brighton, who are up in six, are actually, they're 10 points ahead. So really the gap between that in the mid table is, is, is pretty tight. Um, so I think if we can start 
picking up the points where maybe we don't always deserve to because I think they're the points that that matter more than the games where you do dominate and win then I'm hopeful that we won't we won't be sucked in I think you're right about this that I mean I think you're right about Southampton and it's interesting the uh managerial changes don't always pay off you know Southampton have arguably got worse since they've appointed he's old he's he's weirdo strange appointment strange bloke Strange. There's a lot of interesting stories going around. If you sort of do research and stuff, there he's a, a, a strange guy, and it hasn't worked at all. And and I think Bournemouth giving O'Neill the job probably hasn't isn't going to pay off in the long term for them either. I can see why he's why he got the job. Um, so no guarantee that Leeds get the right appointment, you know, and that works for them. And I don't think Palace in their realm of making the or anywhere near that decision of making the same decision there. But I understand why people are getting twitchy. But for me even though we are 10 years in the top flight, as you say, Grace, uh, any season where you don't go down is, is is a successful season, I think, for a team like Palace, because the money is so big at the moment that it is, it, it is just so precarious and it's so devastating if you do go down. So, I like you guys, I think we'll be okay, but I am starting to look over my shoulder just, rather well, than... Well, while, while Grace was talking, it, she kind of touched on something that I've noticed with, with Palace fans over the last... 10 years and and this wasn't Grace's point but it's just like the broader point that it really doesn't take much for the Palace fan base to start feeling a bit of imposter syndrome of oh Premier League you know should we be here like it really doesn't take much and um you know looking at statistically and and for you know clever forecasts are out there you know 538 is I think initially an American political forecasting website which I remember using back in (laughs) my time at university but now they have a model which kind of models the Premier League season it goes on and there's still from their forecast less than a 10% chance of us being relegated but what's interesting is all clubs above us you know Villa in 11th by their forecast there's no chance of them going down less than 1% chance so we are the last club or in terms of the highest position to still be considered yeah. as a, a prospect of a relegation. Um, unfortunately, they have us less than 1% chance of getting Champions League football this season, which is disappointing. But cancel those flights. Next season. Cancel, yeah. cancel yeah. those flights. <laughs> well, I still might go and do a bit more scouting for Palace. But um, it, yeah, I mean, you're looking at forecasts, you know, if, if look at the science, look at the maths, and the forecast would say that we're, we're still okay. But that percent, I think we were 6 or 7% before the United game. So it has increased slightly in, in scope. Of, of the threat of relegation but we'll see big big couple of weeks coming up you know Brighton and Brentford are you know the the showcase of how a Premier League club by this season standards should be being run it wouldn't surprise me if we take four points off those two games you know the Brighton game I know we're all petrified about that Brighton game in some form or another but it is a derby there's a reason why they haven't beaten us for nearly 1500 days you know let's let's be a bit positive because we have got 24 points we are sitting 12th um, and we have got the, the players in the squad that we know can perform at this level. Um, and it's just about keeping them fit, keeping them confident. And I, th- I think we'll stay away from, from the drop. Let's hope so. Um, shall we move on to uh, strikers, striking options? And I know, Jack, this is something you are itching to talk about. We've had, oh, someone's at my front door. Um, we've had loads of questions about this. Uh, Antonio. Hello, Hello Antonio. Antonio says, when are we going to realise as a club our number one issue at the moment is a hungry goal scorer? We absolutely, apart from the outside backs, have a... What's, what's that? Is that full-backs? Um, have, that's uh, rugby, um, isn't it? <laughs> that yeah. is a rugby term. Yeah. Has Antonio commented on the wrong He's been watching the Six podcast? Nations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is a, a rugby podcast? Um, 
with a very solid, if not top half central team, but lack of goals and confidence in front of goal is killing us. Alan Dunt, hello Alan, um, Hi, Alan. with Eduardo Mateta unable to hit a cow's arse with a banjo, lovely phrase. Uh, that's right up Harry's street. Um, why why didn't the club splash the cash on a striker of, the, of uh, Hurry Street? Of the name Hurry Street, not your sponsor Street. Hurry's it's like <laughs> Hurry, Hurry Street. We saw libeling your sponsor. <laughs> Hurry Street. Sorry, yeah, it's uh, it's the nerdiest street in London. Um, I mean, these are all fair points, aren't they? Um, Sunday's had it. I'll come on to that in a minute. Anyway, a, a few other. P- We've got more Mateta questions. The strikers in general, Jack, it, it is the issue for Palace, isn't it? Probably the worst uh, part of the squad in terms of depth, I would say, now that we've added to the midfield. I think that I'll make possibly right back. Well, certainly right back. I think there's massive... Outside backs. Outside backs. Um, no, I, I think the combination of Eduardo and Mateta aren't really providing enough at the moment between them whether he uses them together he uses you know one and then subs another one on there's not enough goal threat from them I thought Edward was a passenger in the first half on um on Saturday and when Mateta came on you know either he's not getting the brief from his coaches when he comes on the pitch and he just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing or the bloke clearly doesn't know what he's doing I just don't know it's not just Saturday you know the last few home games um and, and Chelsea away when I when I was there I just don't know what he's trying to do. Um, He tries to press, then he doesn't press, then he tries to pull onto a centre-half, then he doesn't go and pull onto the centre-half. I I, I don't know what his threat is. What, are we two years on since he signed John Philippe on loan? And and I'm starting to think that he's not good enough to be a Premier League striker. Um, there's the chance at the back stick. It got a lot of, you know, analysis on social media over the weekend. The head is, you know, it's not a guilt edge chance, but he should be hitting the target with that. But his header when he gets over Fernandez um, is way off target and and doesn't pose any threat to the goal. Um, and I think it's fair to say that that Mateta looks smaller when he jumps. So uh, yeah, I, I I think I've got massive doubts about Mateta moving forward. I hope and and should as we just spoke about we secure our Premier League status for next season I think the top end of the pitch particularly with the doubts about Wilf renewing his contract is uh, an area of the squad that we we really must focus on uh, but every week we seem to talk about a different area of the squad that we need to focus on there's there's a hell of a lot of work to be done this summer because in certain areas of the squad we are we are lacking I'm glad we've supplemented the central midfield spots but as he said on the the transfer special on Friday night which was an excellent listen um, we've now got 10 players that could play that role but in terms of central striker at Palace right now, we've got two, and I'm not sure either of them are good enough to hold that position down. Yeah, we did get Dougie Lewis and some more outside backs, I think, in the summer. Um, can, can, you, can you be smaller? <laughs> I think it's we need I, to get Dougie. I thought, I... <laughs> well, who knows? Might have to register him at some point. Yeah. He played in the preseason friendly, didn't he, about 10 years ago when he was manager of Dana? Dulwich, I think. So did Simon Jordan, but we never wanted him to play. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I really didn't think I'd hear that name ever again on the podcast. Um, can you, I think, I, in certain, speaking of, you know, a body shape from earlier, in certain ways I think you could jump, be smaller when you jump. Could you jump forward maybe? Dive, diving into a swimming pool? That, is that technically being smaller? What I mean, what, what I mean, what I, well, what, I mean, I know, I I'm being facetious. I know, I know, but what I mean by it is, it basically, he's up against a centre-half who's, you know, smaller than him, but he always seems to get out jumped. He, I don't really remember him winning those flick-ons in recent weeks. That, that you think, and and Saturday, 
you know, he had the chance to peel off onto onto Martinez, who he is taller than, and, and didn't. And even that sort of like footballing intellect, he just doesn't seem to know how to pick a defence's pocket in terms of being one step ahead. But as I said, it's it's not just him; it's in the coaching as well. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got doubts about him. And and to be honest, when he does come on, I don't see our goal threat increasing. That's the type. And when you see a sub come on, particularly an attacking sub, you're hoping that's exactly what they're going to do. And with Mateta, I just don't see that right now. Yeah, you're not the only person. Total Tech Soccer Camp says um, that I can't head the ball, so what are his strengths? And Jim, it's not me, I promise, has says, um, how many goals does Mateta get in a season if he plays for Sutton United? <laughs> Jim reckons 10. Uh, maybe. That's ambitious. Yeah. League 2 um, is tough. I think League 2. Oh, yeah, they are, mate. Um, I feel like we should offer Mateta a right to reply, Grace. So, so part of me is hoping that you're a big Mateta fan, but I suspect probably he, not. He, he can have his right to reply if he scores a hat trick on Saturday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, I, I um, will. I will apologise for an hour <laughs> next week if he does that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, so I I agree with Jack, and it's just it's really frustrating because obviously there was last I think it was last January when he was linked with a move away. Um, then he scored against Millwall in that FA Cup game and sort of went on to being a bit better than what we'd seen before. And then it's it's almost like he's regressed again. Um, and, yeah, like Jack said, when he comes on and you're looking for someone that could inject that spark or bring something a bit different and you, when you someone comes on, you think, oh, OK, they're, they're going to change this game, have a positive impact. But when he does, there's not always or hardly ever that sort of feeling um, which I think has been a problem for a few years with who we've got to bring off the bench, to be honest, to change the game. Um, so I, I think that if, yeah, in the summer, that's that's a, a big, big point of recruitment. But it's interesting because I think in the sort of recent transfer windows, not just for us, but other clubs, a lot of the onus has been on the attacking midfielders and there's mm. less sort of strikers in the pot, it seems to be, to pick rather than your likes of your Harlands, your your mega money that we obviously can't compete with. Um, even with the likes of Wolves, that couldn't hurt. I can't remember how much they paid for him, but that he wasn't cheap. So it's it feels like we're almost going to have to go down the sort of routes that maybe, I don't want to keep referring to Brighton positively, but their <laughs> recruitment is good um, and try sort of going in the back door um, to find these players that, maybe aren't such common names but might have something different to bring or we're going to have to splash the cash otherwise it's going to just be the same conversation season after season yeah, yeah. it is it is and to, i mean if you found our recruitment hasn't been shocking over the last couple of years but but finding a a, a striker who can settle in the premier league and score goals and, and lead that that line and really do a bit of everything because strikers in that position now have to like fullbacks do a bit of it sorry outside backs have to do a bit of everything <laughs> Is like trying to, you know, mine for gold, really. So it's it's not an easy job. There it's was a few links, ju- wasn't there? Well, it's not. It's not just Mateta. Obviously, you know, a lot of heat on Mateta. I think he's a bit of an easy target. Um, but I do think the question marks over Odds and Edouard between now and the end of the season. I think we need to see a bit more from him between between now and the end of this season to know that he's going to be the guy for next season. Um, you know, this is the end of his second full season, and you know, Grace just used the term regress regression about. JP, I'm not really seeing anything from Edward that says to me he's more comfortable in this league than he was the day he walked on against Spurs in September 2021 and scored those two goals. I'm not seeing a striker more content, more fulfilled, 
more of a threat than he was that day. Um, and I, I just wonder whether there, there will be question marks about him this summer. He, he's, you know, he, he was brought to the club by, you know, the links with Vieira, um, the technical coach, uh, Saeed, I don't want to get his surname wrong, but there, there were links with Edouard from the PSG Academy. And I do understand there's clearly a talent there. He was exceptional in Scotland and he's shown glimpses in the Palace shirt. But yeah, it's, it's not just about JP because if it was, if Edouard's, you know, to be completely honest, if Edward was banging form, we'd be seeing very little of Jean Philippe Mateta. That's the that's the honesty, um, the honest truth. And uh, therefore, you need to see a bit more from Edward. Particularly, you know, Wilf's out. You know, Edward's got it's, it's Edward's if he wants it, and and I just don't see enough from him right now. Well, and he has when he has to well, fellas, he has thrived in that left of the front three position, which is Wilf's position. So um, now it's the time for him to sort of step up. But like Mateta, he's been patchy and never really sort of managed to keep it together. But um, we will see. As our only options now up front, they're going to get chances. So we'll see how they do it in the next couple of weeks. Um, really quickly, I suspect I know both your answers to this, but it's been asked, and it's in the theme of the podcast anyway, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, Pete. <laughs> it's very, says, very full, forceful Pete. <laughs> So that. Again, that, that was a bit keasy again, wasn't it? I'm, I'm really I don't, I don't want that guy. Keasy will start asking for like creative credits on this podcast <laughs> and carry on contacting, uh, right. making references to him. Yeah. yeah, I won't. I'll stop. I'll stop doing it. Um, anyway, Pete says, Is it time for a change of palace? Have we missed the boat with Deitch? I mean, you guys can do short answers here because I suspect I know what the answer is. Mm, no, Great. no, okay, fine. Grace, yeah, I'm I concur with Jack. I thought you said yes for a second No, I agree with you. I don't think it's the time yet. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm aware that time might come at some point, but I think now is the time to... I think they've, won, they've won one game, Everton. I mean, it's hardly the, the turnaround yeah. of the century just yet, is it? So we'll, we'll wait and see. I think what, what always surprised me, and they did it, you know, Leeds did it yesterday with, with Marsh, is you know, sacking a manager so soon after the window's closed. I always think there's such a bizarre thing because you may as well give them a few weeks now with those players. They've got games coming up to, for point. You know, equally, you might lose those games and be more in trouble, but you, you might pick up points with the players that you've bought. I think with Vieira, he's probably safe until at, at the very earliest towards the end of March, unless the performances completely drop off a cliff. I can't see Parrish looking to make a change in terms of, instilling a change of direction or a change of influence in that dressing room for at least another four or five games. And that takes us to, to mid to end of March, because what's the point? You just signed two midfielders that Vieira's yeah. probably signed off on. Yeah. What's, what's the point? But you know, that, that the R word as we've, we've termed it, if that does become a greater risk, then, um, then yeah, that, that may well be an option, but I really hope not. I, I hope Vieira has uh, a comfortable end to this season and, and guides us into next. It was about this time last season when we were we weren't talking about him going or the R word, but we had a tricky run as well. And then it was about late February, early March. Well, I was did start pulling it, results. It's funny, it's funny you say that because it was around Brentford away last year that people started to comment, and that's coming up again. And it's just almost like that's the the annual point: a trip to whatever Griffin Park is now not called or whatever the something Community Stadium. Yeah, um, a trip there always seems to to come with some questions about Vieira. But I don't know. Let's see how Brighton and Brentford games go. Um, well, hopefully this time he answers questions. That game will answer some questions for us, maybe rather than absolutely. pose them. Speaking of, thank you to our listeners for their questions. Really appreciate it. Nice, after the break, Jim. nice. I know, I know. Someone's got to do it. Um, after the break, we're going to pick our winners and losers. 
Welcome back to the Pokemon Podcast. Wait. It's winners and losers. This is a patron only section. So if you're a patron, you're going to hear our winners and losers from the weekend. If you're not, you're going to get a clip from the post match pod with me and Selzy. Um, and if you like the sound of that, you can get that every week, every game, in fact, um, at patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com slash FYP podcast, as long as as well as lots of other perks that we mentioned at the top of the pod. Was the uh, was the transfer pod uh, patron only? We made that public okay. as a little insight into what, basically because it was so good, we figured it was uh, it, was it needed good. to be heard by everyone, but also as a little insight as to what you can get if you Absolutely. sign up to nice. the patron. Um, I've seen your friends have signed up, Jack, the Scuffed Podcast. Have they actually? Yes, yeah. Oh. Just been checking. Just been checking now. So lovely to have those guys. Greetings, greetings across the water, guys. Greetings. Yes, top blokes. So maybe we should do some. Must be happy with point. a. Uh, must be happy with another very good performance from uh, from Chris Richards. Indeed. Oh, indeed. Anyway, what will he feature in winners and losers? We'll find out as he makes the split now. I felt after the break that things changed. For the better, and we started to become more positive and pass the ball forwards, and that's when we saw saw the benefit of that, and we started to create some real opportunities. Yeah, because lots to sort of un- unpack there. I think um, you know United have been on a fantastic run of form recently, and we seem to be the only team. We were the only team basically to stop Rashford scoring in that home game. The only team that's really sort of been able to actually give them the game in both games. And I think we've we've actually done in spells, done quite quite well. Um and probably should have got maybe some certainly something more from yesterday. I think a draw would have been fair. But I, to be honest, I think that's to me, that's kind of what sums Palace up at the moment is is we do look good in spells, but at other times we really look like we are not in the game or and we don't quite know sort of what we're doing and we seem to be really struggling to get a foothold in the game be that a lack of presence up top or defensive errors or, or whatever but you know I was sort of thinking about um today actually before the podcast about sort of uh, previous managers and how there's always been a spell where you thought that would you know un, uh, the, the last few games under Pardew or the last few games under the Warnock's second time or Holloway where you think we're just not in games and we offer nothing. Whereas under this manager, there's always spells where you think, oh, we look quite good here. Oh, you know, we, we've got bits and bobs about us, whether it is later on against United in, in both games or or in other games, different areas of the pitch. But just that that's what frustrates us that we seem to, well, that's what frustrates me is that we seem to be able to, we're not awful. We're not completely off the pace. We look good in spells, but we don't seem to be able to either turn that into goals or turn that into decent pressure or sustain it. And I don't know what the answer to that is, whether it is a personnel thing or a system thing or something more. I tend to agree with you. I have to say you, you've summed that up very well. It doesn't seem to be that we're able to perform at a level for a consistent period of time. And whether that's, as you say, related to personnel or or, or tactical, you know, the, again, you see we're on this bad run now. We've won one game in 10 games in all competitions, I think, and that was at Bournemouth. And and yesterday, Geoffrey Schlupp's um, goal diverting in... Um, Check the Corey strike in the second half. 
that was if we hadn't got, if we hadn't put that away, that would have been eight games without a goal in open play. So the signs are there, and they're not good signs, you know. And hence why I found it so perplexing that they didn't do more with the the attacking side of the squad in the transfer market, you know. As we said on Friday, we've now got a sort of glut of midfield players. But wasn't it a bit of an indictment, JD, that we've just closed the January transfer window, we've got five players missing, and we had to have two goalkeepers on the subs bench? You know, the day, the first game after the January transfer window. And, you know, the squad isn't, isn't big enough. It's not big enough. You need... You're 25. I think we've got 24. But I think that includes one or two that may be underage. And so you need your 25, plus you probably need three or four other young players that are around the fringes because every time you go into a game with nine substitutes, as soon as you've got more than four players out, we don't have another, another player to fill the bench with. And you know, as I said the other day, I'm all for Malcolm and, and uh, you know, Jezrak Saki, who scored a terrific goal yesterday, you know, going out on loan and getting experience, John Kamani, Gordon, <coughs> and so on. But absolute plans another. But actually, whether they're good enough or not, probably not at this stage to, to play regularly in Palace's side. They are your next best options, and you don't have enough options, which, which is a problem, really. And you know, against that on the personnel side, you know, to be fair to Patrick Vieira, we started to play the ball forwards quicker in the second half. We started to create some chances, but then you you sort of saw some of the problems again. There, there was one particular moment. I don't know if you remember. Probably sort of early or mid, early part of the second half. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Um, but Edward, um, Edward found himself in a really, really decent position, and he was um, he was facing, I think, Lisandro Martinez one on one, and it was a real good. It was four minutes into, I'm just looking at my notes, it was four minutes into the second half mm. and he's facing him up one-on-one and the defender's isolated and you're sort of looking at Odson Edward going, go on then, go on then, get at him and get you, get your yard or two and get your shot off and, and get yourself on the score sheet or at least force De Gea into a save. But as he approached him, he seemed to really lack belief and that, he didn't really fancy his chances of going by him or not that he had to absolutely beat him and leave him standing, to be honest. He was still able to even get a yard and get an off effort off, but nothing happened. And, you know, that sort of sums us up as a, you know, the centre-forward position is a, a big problem for us right now, I think. And and that was kind of all... all all there to be seen. And I, I felt, you know, Patrick Vera made a lot of changes. I'm not sure that all of them were necessary. I thought the removal of Jeffrey Schlupp was quite strange when he was 
pretty influential in the game, I thought, at, at that point. And then, obviously, the change, bringing Mateta on to play up front, again, as it never has worked in recent months, made no impact. And again, first of all, Mark Gehi had that corner before we scored, the, the free header from six mm. yards that was sort of straight at De Gea who pushed it up into the air and then threw his legs up in the air just to make it sort of extra spectacular. But, you know, either side of him, it's a goal when he's got a score there. Uh, we did then score, you know, in the following uh, phase of play from the corner. And then Mateta, of course, as I had the chance at the near post where he came onto it, and then Mateta had the header at the back post. But it's really a struggle to see what Jean-Philippe Mateta is bringing to Crystal Palace. For a bloke of his size and physical presence, he offers nothing in the air. And I'm, I'm amazed that, as I said to you previously several times, that we allowed Christian Benteke to leave and didn't sign another striker, thinking that Mateta and Edouard would do the job. And I'm I'm kind of back to, I think, where I've been before, is that Jordan Ayew is probably our best centre-forward right now. But the problem with Jordan Ayew is that he doesn't score a lot of goals. Neither are the others, quite honestly. And I'm of the view currently, certainly today, that probably Jordan and I use selfless work and, and attributes might actually give the Zahars and the Eze's and the Elise's the opportunity to flourish. And if we haven't got that centre-forward that's going to score lots of goals... I think we're going to have to find another way. Um, let's wrap up winners and losers. There, um, welcome back to the public. Oh, people. So, one, one, what, sorry, Jim. One final winner: okay. Killian Phillips, down from strength to strength on his loan spell at Shrewsbury. Um, Lovely. Under the our main man, Tony Pulis, impersonator, available for birthdays and parties. <laughs> uh, Aaron Wilbraham. Uh, yeah, he, he's getting rave reviews by by Shrewsbury fans, um, so that that's really good. And Jez Raksaki scores possibly the best goal he scored of the season for for Charlton at the weekend. So he's going from strength to strength. When we mention these players, I, I'm not suggesting that they are fit to play in the Premier League week and week out, but it's really good to start seeing these players yeah. developing in in you know lower leagues in view of maybe Championship loan moves next season, and that's. That's why the club are investing in the in the youth and, and the, the academy and signing players like Killian Phillips from from the League of Ireland to start blooding these players to see if they're they're good enough to play for the Palace first team in the future. So um, yeah, good to, good to see them having uh, good spells away from the club. Absolutely, John Carmine Gordon as well scoring the goals as well. Yeah, so he's good. he's bagged a few for Carlisle, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to hear more uh, winners and losers each week, sign up to the Patreon, patreon.com slash FYP podcast uh, for that every single week. Um, I'm going to chuck in a little bit there about the young players, just a little teaser. <laughs> anyway, after the break, we're going to preview. Oh, no. Do we have to? Oh, versus Brighton. Oh, we do, unfortunately. It's the big one. Palace v Brighton.
Welcome back to the Fabio Pan Podcast. Way. Part four, which is preview, and it is El Gatwicko itself. <laughs> Palace, <laughs> I think I'm the only person that likes that. Um, Palace versus Brighton. Uh, Brighton doing very well indeed um, under their new manager, Deserby, and uh, Palace not going in to this game. Particularly on a good run of form, but anything can happen in a derby game. So let's read out a couple of questions from Toby Kinder. Hey, Toby. Hey, Toby. Toby says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how scared of Brighton are you right now? He's done that thing where he's asterisks out. Many of the notes on people can't bring themselves to say or type the word Brighton, uh, which is a real... I like, I like that. Cause it actually take, it, well, I like it because it actually takes more effort than actually... Actually, it's, you know, so it fair. does. Absolutely <laughs> That's commitment. Um, and then the Cafe Ipatufo account. Hello, our favourite friends. Yeah. Spanish account who likes to eat sandwiches. Um, if we lose versus Brighton on Saturday, will there be a reaction from the fans? The board won't ignore. Oh, that is going in two footed big time. Um, I'll ask you, Grace, the first question then. Scared of one to ten. How scared are we of this Brighton game? <sighs> hmm. I, I, I don't know that I'm any more scared than I ever am when we play against Brighton because. Because it's a derby game, I almost think that form somewhat goes out the window um, and that it's sort of a one-off and it comes down to what happens on the day. So I'm sort of, I know they're doing well. I know we're not doing so well, but I'm still in the same sort of position that I usually am in that. Maybe I'm not as scared as everyone else is, but we'll see if I've still got that same misplaced sense of optimism come come five o'clock on Saturday. (laughs) There's a lot of elements, aren't there, Jack, where I think as we as fans, and we all do it, make ourselves feel slightly better looking forward to games. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, they've got a, got a lot of new players who don't know the Premier League that well. I haven't played against Palace before. They don't know what a derby is like. They don't know how intense it is. We've got Will Hughes, who knows how to play in a derby. And then you start convincing yourself that there are elements uh, that can tip this in Palace's favour. But the stats do, you know, paint a picture of one team in form and one and not. And that is Brighton. Come on, if we're talking about anyone that needs to play against Brian, it's Joel Ward, undefeated after <laughs> 25 years or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Um, so actually, maybe there's a shout for Joel to start simply because, the, you know, the, his, his clear defiance He's against, against Brian. He's got the form. Um, yeah, I mean, they're clearly very good. Can't deny that they're they're winning games. What Brighton were being accused of were were not taking the the full fruition of their efforts from from games. And now they've started winning games like they did on Saturday with injury time headers against Bournemouth. And that was a difficult game, but they took, they took the three points they probably deserve to from that game. Um, it's going to be a really tough game because we're playing a team that are in the top six. Are they sixth or seventh? Sixth. sixth. I mean, they're they're flying this season. So it'd be, you know, take the rivalry out, take the M23 away, whatever you want to talk about. It's going to be a very difficult game. Add on top of the derby, I think it's going to be um, quite the atmosphere um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's actually the first time I'll see us at home to Brighton since 2019. So it's been a, a fair old while due to COVID and I was, I was away last year for the 1-1. So um, I'm really excited for it. Um, but I do, I also hate, I hate it. I hate going there. I hate them coming to us. Um, you know, it's, I think all derbies, any club of, any fan of a club who are involved in a derby have that combination of excitement and also loathing of the particular fixture because it it means that bit more. You know, I'm fear I'm fearful of a palace defeat whenever I go to Selhurst because I never want to see us lose. I'm particularly fearful of losing this one because of how much it means to them. And that's 
that's something that I think in, in terms of the second question from, from Cafe um, is it probably will, should the result not go our way on Saturday, it probably will exacerbate the, the feelings and the tensions on, on social media from the fan base. But I would like to think that Steve Parrish is level-headed enough to not let it impact his decision-making any more than losing home to Southampton or Bournemouth would be. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what we do on Saturday. Um, you know, it's great that we've got people in, in and around the club who, who know what it means. Um, so do Brighton. You know, Brighton have got players that have played in this fixture tons of times. Solly March, Lewis Dunk. So they've got lots of new players, but they've also got players, you know, Dunk played in the playoffs. He knows what it means. Um, he's walked across Selhurst having been sent off after, you know, five minutes. He yeah. knows what it's yeah. all about. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be a really tough fixture, but it's no more kind of concerning in terms of what's actually going to happen on the pitch than when Newcastle came to Selhurst a couple of weeks ago. But it's just that added feeling. So um, I'm hopeful we can extend this run of what will be, what will be by Saturday, uh, 1,444 days since we last lost to Brighton. So let's hope on Sunday we're saying 1,445. That'll be fewer. 1,545. No. No, Jim, it'll be one more day rather than 100, mate. It might, during that game, it might feel like 100 days. Yeah, right. 1,444 Sorry. days. Thank 44, you. 44, okay. Sorry. 44. That's what it'll be at kickoff. Hopefully, as the clock strikes midnight right. on Sunday, I, 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 okay. I wrote it down as four hundred and forty-nine. I apologise. That's, uh, that's oh, okay. That's my fault. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, that's a potential name for the podcast, actually, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that stressed about it because it, it is. It is just another game, really. But it, obviously, against Brighton, it's it's not. There is so much more attached to it, and they are playing really well. I mean, in Matoma, they have the oh, informed player in the league. And he's doing so well, and, and actually makes them makes it very easy for them to to for their transition away from the Andrew Trossard, who's obviously gone to Arsenal, who was doing very well for them, but almost like they've forgotten about him because Matoma's done so well in that position, and they do have a really good team and a good manager. Jim, I think um, I think a lot of listeners though are probably before they decide or have an opinion on how we're going to go on Saturday, probably wondering if you're going on Saturday. Yeah, for everyone's sake, stay away. Oh my god, I am. You know, I am getting DMs. I'm genuinely getting like Twitter DMs and people. Yeah, no, saying, I'm, send, I'm sending them. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all those accounts, you are they? Yeah, well, that's absolutely. a real, that's a real Burner account. Yeah. Um, I do you know what I am planning on going, but it's not. It's not guaranteed that I will. If I set up a just giving and. <laughs> Promise if we hit a certain Sponsor target, I won't you go. To stay away. <laughs> I could make some <laughs> sponsored stay away. <laughs> um, can, um, I, can I just yeah. cite a, a Brighton fan who I'm aware of, a, a grown adult, may I add, actually declared this game as D twi- uh, DM23 Zerby the other day. Oh, oh, no. oh my God. To we, me. Des- we deserve the points. We, and I, I, said to, I said to them, I said, I think we've just won. I think we've just won the game because that's right. disgraceful. Yeah. Um, and that makes that makes El Gatwico seem like poetry. That makes it sound like that makes it sound cool when you say that. That's how bad the M twenty three Zerbi or whatever. That's bloody, awful. Yeah, terrible. they are a more they are a more cringeworthy club and fan base, aren't they? And then that's just, that is objectively true, isn't it? We are just we are slightly more savvy. We are cooler. There's no cooler. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, even Fatboy Slim looks like an idiot when he. 
starts prancing around in a bright shirt on the pier or whatever he does. But yeah, no, we are. We have cooler fans. We have cooler fans. We've got cooler celebrity fans. Yeah. We've just got, you know, we're just, I we're mean, more. Who's, who's picking a seagull over an eagle apart from anything Quite. else? Quite. Uh, are, are any Brighton fans nominated for an Oscar? Don't know. Probably. No, we've got, we got, we got three. Like, I don't know, probably like animation or something. I don't know. Something, something yeah, that no one cares about the next day. But Not in wordplay, obviously. No. Can't wait for Bill Nye to bring that one home. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> oh, God. Stick that in the trophy cabinet. Put <laughs> that in the trophy cabinet. We'll have that Next one, <laughs> But no, yeah, uh, it look, counts. We, we, I can't, I can't wait. But also, I can wait. It's one of, it's one of them. But um, yeah, just, I just never want to roll over to them. Somebody, somebody reminded me that it's, it was the anniversary of the Sunderland game. I think last weekend, the four nil. If we ever perform like that in the Brighton game, it that will feel so much worse because it's Brighton. If we, if we're going to have to watch those sorts of displays, let them be against Sunderland. Let them be against whoever else that we don't care about. Never I just don't think it will. No, I, I need to I don't think it will. Neither do I. Neither do I. Because but, of everything around the game, I just yeah. don't think it will. Premier League have appointed, or PJML have appointed Michael Oliver to the game, though. So clearly expecting oh, uh, the game to. Yeah, they've got the big wig for it. So. Mm. How what's your And what's your, as chief referee hater, what's your opinion on Michael Oliver? I'll tell you next week. <laughs> yeah. And that, listeners, is the reason to tune in <laughs> to the pod next week and I think a great place to end uh Grace thanks for being on the pod great to have you on thank you thank you yeah hopefully next time um will be a few few more points to the good in the league and if we're not then we're in serious yeah. if we're not just um, Jim's been to more games and that's <laughs> my, my my luck has to turn at some point it just let it let just, it be Saturday please yeah Maybe I should go then. And then if it's not, oh, if it's I not, know. I am expecting somebody to set that just giving up. <laughs> me, yeah, me. I need the money. Um, <laughs> Jack, great to have you on. And um, next time you're in Italy, maybe you could scout out a striker for Palace. That'd be great. Maybe that's what I should have been doing at the weekend. Happy to go back. Um, if you, if you want to send me on an FYP expedition, we'll do a just giving page for you as well. <laughs> And then uh, money can be put to good use. Anyway, a great to have you both on. Thank you to our listeners and our patrons. Appreciate the support as ever. Back next week after the Brighton game with the midweek pod and patrons get the immediate post-match pod um, after that as well at the weekend. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest so, of your... Jim, one final shout-out. If you want a bit of pre-Brighton uh, talk... Entertainment. Go back and have a listen to our Palace Brighton pod that we recorded when we oh, were playing gonna... at the Amex. I thought <laughs> you were going to say, come and see my live show. Wow, that's embarrassing. Um, no, yes, do the... I'll um... do that. Always, always thinking about each other. I've just found out how many tickets I sold and actually, well, I sold quite a lot. There's not many tickets left, which is great. Um, so, great. Well, People are yeah. trying to buy, book tickets they can't book for. Cheers. They can. Be, you can still get them, but like it, the room is kind of filled, which is not very nice. We'll make for a better gig. Um, yeah, what bright, what Brighton? Oh, palace, when we did the when the favourite Palace Brighton games. Say, yeah, Ex- yes, I will do a link to that in the show notes below. A nice little have a uh, uh, to get in the mood for the M twenty three Zerby at the weekend. <laughs> oh my god, even just saying it. Yeah, so sorry. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you all again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.